May I direct your thoughts to the book of Psalms, Psalm 37, the psalm that we have just been singing from. And verse 8, Psalm 37, verse 8, Cease from anger and forsake wrath, Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. The Psalms bring out the reactions of people to their own circumstances. It is when we try to live out our beliefs from day to day that the reality of our faith is tested. And we see that the most prominent theme of this, as of Psalms 49 and 73, seems to be the mysteriousness of providence in allowing to the wicked so much apparent prosperity. There are three things that one would like to develop this evening in relation to the these words in verse 8. First of all, anger. Secondly, it's temptation, and last of all, how to resist it. First of all, then, we look at anger, and perhaps we will take excerpts from the life of David to illustrate for us uh, the problem that living implies and sometimes how we are put in situations where the reaction, our reaction, can be out of order. If you reflect upon David's own experiences in his relationship with Saul, with King Saul, Nabal, Absalom, Ahitophel, uh, and how in these relationships his belief in the Lordship of God was tested. Time and time again it was as if he was caught up in moments that were quite outside his own control. If we take, for example, Absalom, who sought kindness, but whenever he received it, abused it, we see the situation as it 
develops in this situation. We could reflect in this context to words from Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 11. Consider the work of God, for who can make that straight which he hath made crooked? And he goes on to say, that a a person who is involved in circumstances so contradictory finds himself measuring up what is revealed of the works of God. For example, who can make straight what God has made crooked? Uh, And again, if we go to Isaiah, we read, I am the Lord and there is none else. I form the light and create darkness. Uh, I, the Lord, uh, do I make peace and create evil? I, the Lord, do all these things. And it is in the light of reflecting upon what happens in this world that he counsels against anger. Cease from anger, forsake wrath. Now, biologically, we are all made differently and uh, some of us react in different ways and that may have to do with our constitution. Uh, If we are suffering, for example, from high blood pressure or if we have other problems which affect the working of the organs in our body, it may put us into a situation where our reactions can be quite severe and quite out of control and may indeed lead to acts of aggression. We, for example, read uh, in Scripture that uh, where the Hebrews, they refer to the nose or to the nostril, uh, and thus to the snorting of anger, and refer that to God himself and if we look through scripture we have some 400 references to the anger of God and uh, again we refer to our Lord and Savior who was angry with the Pharisees on occasions 
he was angry with the disciples and in different ways showed forth uh, an understanding of situations which the disciples or the Pharisees had not properly grasped. In the case of God, we have to remember the exhortation from Scripture, Be ye angry and sin not. And uh, it's very easy to be angry and to be caught up in an attitude that brings leanness to our souls. And it is very important for us that we should try uh, to understand a little of uh, uh, what happens when a situation causes frustration and uh, from which we cannot escape. And very often, anger in this kind of situation can be at its worst in domestic situations uh, because more people can feel that uh, there is a loss of love or a loss of self-esteem and it affects, it affects our own personal a response to a situation that we interpret as interpreting the type of people that we are and we resent it. We are full of pride uh, and that is extraordinary that we should be so proud uh, when you reflect upon what man achieves and what man doesn't achieve. If we look across the years, historically, we see it littered with the activities of different types of people, some brilliant, some not so brilliant, and yet who have caused untold misery because of their own resentment and uh, their own reaction uh, to their own uh, circumstances. So we find that in when anger leads us to violence, it cannot serve love. But equally the refusal to acknowledge the natural responses of anger leads to the concealment of resentment under a veneer of niceness. Christians are exhorted uh, to speak the truth in love and it's not easy except as the grace of God enables us to do that. Uh, 
but nevertheless it is possible and again we see this reality demonstrated in the life of David. You remember the injustices he suffered at the hands of Saul. The reason was that Saul resented the very idea of David becoming king instead of Jonathan, his own son. And you will recall how Saul took the law into his own hands and for a time was allowed to inflict great hurt upon David. But the end of Saul is quite tragic. This is how we read in First Samuel chapter 28, verse 5. And when Saul saw the hosts of the Philistines, he was afraid and his heart greatly trembled. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord answered him not neither by dreams, nor by Urim, nor by prophets. The crisis had arrived. Saul was afraid. There was no answer to his dilemma. And it was then, you will recall, he turned to the woman of Ender. On the mountains of Gilboa, Saul went to meet his maker, the very person who had, with God's help, so often defeated the Philistines, was absent. And we see how, in the providence of God, things are developed, not in line with the madness of the thinking of proud men, but in line with the purposes of God. And so we look at anger uh, in this context where in Scripture again and again we see how there is an outburst that leads away not to uh, submission to the will of God, but rather uh, to the will of man. Let us look now from anger as it appears in our own lives and in the lives around us to its temptation. Now, the temptation that underlines anger is that we are caught up in the conceit of our own thinking. We think that we are able to handle the providences that surround us in this life uh, when the truth is we are not able to understand the circumstances nor relate them to the purposes of God. 
In the first place, we have the mystery of evil present in a world created by the one who is almighty and who is everlastingly holy and is in fully in full control of all circumstances. Uh, now it is very easy uh, to be a bystander and observe what is happening in the world, but it's another thing to enter into the reasons what is happening in the background affecting the children of men. If we take, for example, what is happening in our own nation at the present time, we were given to understand that there was a way by which the country, all in the country, would benefit uh, enormously and we would get away from the present struggles that some people have with poverty and with their circumstances. But when the idea was put to the test, it was catastrophic. Uh, and you know the story, the money markets uh, reacted and they reacted in such a way as that instead of bringing improvement to the lives of individuals, it caused uh, much greater problems. For example, mortgages, people paying their homes and that sort of things. And for those who are struggling in real poverty, it's difficult for us to understand. I recall in my days in Glasgow uh, hearing of the work of uh, Open Doors in Glasgow, Maureen McKenna and her husband. What a lovely couple uh, they were. She has died. She died fairly young, middle-aged. Hugh, her husband, is still alive. He's married again. But when we hear of what they had to measure up to, it is quite, quite, quite beyond words to describe one's reaction when you hear of the position that women were put into in order to feed uh, uh, drugs, to get money in order to feed drugs, and how husbands would compel wives to the point that they did what they did not want to do in order that they might feed this 
consuming desire uh, for drugs. And uh, there are such people in the world who are in circumstances of great distress. Uh, and it's, it's uh, beyond what we are able to appreciate those of us who have homes and who have food and clothing to understand uh, the bitterness and the conflict and the problems that are associated with people who really are poor and they don't have uh, of this world's goods. And it may be that we will point the finger of accusation and say it is their own fault. Yes, it is their own fault, but for, but for the grace of God, you and I would do exactly the same thing. Let us not in any way delude ourselves that we have virtue that is superior to these people who have fallen into situations that are destroying them. But what are we going to do to understand the situation? Well, man has great ideas, and we are thankful uh, for these gifted people that God has placed in various situations throughout the world. Without these people, economists and various types of persons, psychologists who are involved in trying to understand what makes uh, the human situation what it is. We are very grateful indeed for those whom God has gifted to that extent and have gifts far beyond, for example, anything that I have myself. And we are very, very thankful. But man is limited in what he is enabled to achieve because he doesn't understand that the basic problem that all of us have is a spiritual problem. It's not a physical problem. It is a spiritual problem. And uh, the problem is that we become subject to powers that are stronger than we are. And we have to learn through experience uh, that it is not by might or by power that we achieve, but through the gracious working of the Spirit of God. And so the temptation that lies with ourselves is the temptation that we are masters of our destiny. We aren't. And suddenly what seems so cozy, so secure, and uh, uh, so promising falls away 
justice the poor people of Ukraine are finding out to their own experience. And when one speaks of the Ukraine people, one also thinks of the Russians who do not wish to have any part in what is happening in the Ukraine. But they are in a system where those who are in, con in control think that they do have the answer that will bring a uh, success and uh, will bring benefits uh, to others. And instead, they are destroying themselves and destroying others. It is un quite unimaginable that when the cold is setting in just now in these far east places, the Ukraine and so on, that people are using money to destroy homes, to destroy water supplies, to destroy electrical supplies, all so necessary in order to meet the rigors of a climate that is so demanding, so, so cold. And what does it end up with when we reflect upon what is happening? Well, if we look back historically, what happened in the First World War when the Kaiser thought that he could, through his own inventions, control beyond Germany, and when he took up arms that resulted in that terrible war. Thousands of young men killed off in in a day, not just in a week or, a, or, or, or months, but in a day. Imagine the slaughter. I recall a friend in Old Bay who was in the First World War. And in the trench, he had become so cold that he didn't know what he was doing. And... He knew that he had to do something and he used his rifle as a crutch. He got out of the trench and started walking and it so happened that he arrived among a, a group of the Allies and they took care of him and he was eventually taken back to the United Kingdom. He recovered, he lived to an old age. But when you think of the brutality that is in my human heart, in your heart, it is something that we are to be afraid of and not something that we are in any way to encourage and think that by controlling it we are going to improve ourselves and others. Same thing in the Second World War. Uh, 
the tragedy of it all. Uh, and then we say to ourselves, why do these things happen? Well, we make them happen. We blame God for what is happening. We cannot enter into these things. But what we do have to learn, what the generations before us had to learn, what Christ said, without me you can do nothing. You will recall how Elisha, uh, he was a, an exceptional prophet, a wonderful man of God. And yet in his day, because of Ahab, the situation was so dire uh, that eventually he had to face, Ahab had to face uh, a scarcity that brought circumstances, tragic circumstances, to bear upon his people, and they suffered. Uh, you would say that a man like Elisha, preaching, prophesying, uh, with all the gifts that God had given him, would convert the whole nation and deliver it. Not so, not so. And Elisha recognized that. And he always went by the recognition that God alone was able to deliver. And we, we, we see that repeatedly happening. Uh, the temptation to think that we are in control. Uh, we ourselves are vacant as a congregation and we are hoping that in God's good time he will send to us someone of his own choosing. But when he comes, it will not be the minister that will convert one person. Let us be very clear in that. And it is not the, a minister that will save Inverness. Only the Holy Spirit alone is able to do what would bring peace and blessedness to ourselves and to our neighbours. And we have to bear that in mind. It is wonderful to have the patience to wait upon God as to how and when He is going to do His own work. And He is doing His own work and will do his own work. So how do we resist anger? By reflecting upon God, that he is in control. The scepter is in Christ's hand, and we have to wait for him, even if we are struggling on our knees in circumstances 
that have brought sadness into our lives, heartbreak for some, we have to wait for ultimately they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. There's no question about that. There is a purpose, a purpose that you and I are not able to understand in the things of life that are so contrary and bring so much distress into our lives. Oh, my dear friends, what has our anger ever achieved? How often in my own poor life I resolved when at presbyteries and so on that if I was angry I, would, I wouldn't speak because I knew that anger never is a wise companion but how often I did in my anger speak and speak to my shame I can reflect now as an old man and I look back on these things and I see the way littered with uh, the folly that anger brings into one's life. Oh, my dear friends, let us seek the grace of God that would enable us to believe that the world is in God's control. It's his creation. That things will come, not through our ingenuity, but through the blessing of the Holy Spirit. And perhaps that is what we need most in our own day, to be brought to the point where that it is, we realize that it is not by might nor by power, but by, by the Spirit of the Lord that things are accomplished. As long as we think that we can, through our own industry, convert the world, I can remember very clearly an assembly before we separated and we were talking of outreach and people were speaking to it and you would have thought the way that things were described that Scotland was on fire with the gospel especially down in the borders the reality was not true and it wasn't so long afterwards until the free church found itself in situations that was beyond them and is beyond us to solve. We cannot save ourselves, far less save our neighbour. We cannot save the world, but God can, and God is working his own work. And what a comfort that is, let go the stress of attempting to achieve the unachievable. 
and seek the grace that will enable you to wait with patience upon the Lord. Let us pray. O Lord Jesus, Thou knowest our folly, our presumption, our arrogance, our pride, but we pray that Thou wilt deliver us from all our foolishness and that Thou wilt enable us to seek first Thy kingdom and Thy righteousness. Lord, forgive us in all wherein we sin. For thy great name's sake. Amen. Amen. And let us close singing in Psalm 80. Psalm 80. And from the 17th verse. From the 17th verse. O let thy hand be still upon the man of thy right hand, the son of man whom for thyself thou madest strong to stand. Psalm 80 from verse 17 to the end of the psalm. Oh, let thy hand be Thursday at 7.30 p.m. and I have been asked if I would take that meeting. The service is next Sabbath at the usual times of 11 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. The preacher expected is the Reverend John Morrison. There are some flyers on the table in the vestibule giving details about a TBS conference to be held in the Caldothel Christian Centre on 11th November from 3pm till 8.30pm. 
Booking is required to attend, but there is no charge. These are all the intimations. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. Amen. Amen. Amen.